1: In the fall each year we all congregate, the vows dogs gathered at the church of Pilgrim. The scriptures reading from the book of Moses, our favorite birth, my God, a freshman. Drunk and notches what well, Georgia fail, ain't nothing finer they in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends, it's Saturday in Lafayette.
0: Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Today, actually about uh, an hour and 20 minutes ago, the SEC released the two new opponent, cross-divisional opponents. So we're pretty much just going to talk about the schedule today and whatever comes up. So let's just dive in.
0: Yeah, hey, look. It's been a it's been a summer of interview podcasts for us, and I'm cool with that, right? Like we've had some awesome guests, and thrilled we've gotten to do that. But it's August. I think everybody's jacked up for the hope that there's going to be some football. I know you and I are, so it's kind of nice just to have some some football to talk about, or what we hope is going to be some football to talk about. Obviously, you know, uneven times, man crazy world we're living in right now and everybody's trying to adjust and deal with it and no different with college football so you know obviously the the SEC has already made its choice to go conference only like the Big Ten did so that left them needing two more games to fill in everybody's schedule and um, you know obviously there's a lot to say about all why why don't we start with because you and I had texted a little bit about this but that I guess the originally it had been speculated that this news was going to be le- released earlier in the week, but maybe or maybe not. Some schools may have delayed that process. So uh, let me just tell you what happened. So boss texts me. He's like, hey, did you see they were going to release the schedule? But two schools were pissing and moaning about it. So they they held off on it. And he's like, can you guess which two it was? And I'm like, well, just straight off the jump, I know Florida was one of them. Just had to be. I mean, ain't ain't no bigger crier on the planet than Dan Mullen and all them fools down in Gainesville. So I know faux show sure it was Florida. He's yep. He said, who's the second one? I said, all right. I have no basis for why I think this, but it has to be Alabama, and this is why I think it's Alabama. Because if it had just been Florida pissing and moaning, Greg Sankey would have told him to kick rocks. But, you know, if Nick and all them come with some complaints, they're going to hold the whole boat because, God forbid, anybody in Tuscaloosa, you know, feels like they've been wrong. So let's hold the whole boat up. And boss is like, yep. And I said, well, that that all makes perfect sense because, God forbid, Nick and everybody wearing that hound's tooth gets all upset. I mean, you know, I mean piss on him man i just
1: (laughs) king King, nicky king king he's in a bunch
0: yeah yeah give that boy a couple oatmeal cream pies and let him be on his way so i mean so yeah so let's just i mean that piece of it made me laugh just because it just tells you like
1: who actually fair this was all rumor this was all conjecture nothing was verified or anything like that that was just the rumors that were going around nothing was verified right that's absolutely but it 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 would it, it would make perfect sense you know Florida aside if Bama had an issue with the schedule that was supposedly set to be released on Wednesday if they had an issue with it to postpone it a couple of days to maybe finagle something yeah so yeah. not that Alabama has really needed much help in the past I mean they've been to the college football playoff all but one year with last year being the year but I mean Nick doesn't have but so many more years before he's gonna hang it up so I mean, any competitive advantage you can get, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, to your point, yes, we have no idea, right? We're just, we're just talking. But I mean, no. look, me, and, the, yeah, we're just talking. Me and me and boss ain't journalists, so it ain't like I got to quote somebody. I mean, we're just talking, right? Like this is no, like, it's no. like it's like we're all we're all sitting at the bar together, right? I mean, this is what we would talk to y'all about. So, yeah, I mean, th- so that all made me laugh. But for for what we do know, right? They released a schedule tonight, so for what we all care about anyways, the dogs add a road game in Fayetteville against Arkansas and a home game against Mike Leach's Bulldogs from Mississippi state. So, I, well, first off, what were your thoughts when you saw who they get got? I mean, I think those were, those were who we thought they were going to get based on what a lot of the prognostication was, right? Cause they said they were going to essentially just move up the cross divisional opponents two years. I mean, that's so we kind of figured this is what might happen. But, and then there was some late scuttlebutt that, well, maybe what we'll do is look back retroactively and add those two teams.
1: Yeah. So, well, they moved up for Georgia, but they didn't for everybody else. So, realistically, this doesn't affect the 2021 schedule at all. Right. So, as from this, this from what watching the announcement and from, and then I stayed on and, watched Feinbaum a little bit um, just even though I'm not a Feinbaum guy but you know he he knows his stuff from what I understand this is going to be just a standalone schedule now if this God forbid this continues for another year and they have to do conference only schedules next year then this may be something that continues but uh, as of right now this is just a Anomaly standalone schedule for this season, and that as of 2021, whatever the conference schedule is for 2021, will pick back up in 2021 and then go along the way it was. This is just a a, a blip, so to speak, because the you know one of the big issues was is that it takes them so many years. I mean, you see how far Georgia's planning their out of conference schedule, and all the all the other big teams are too. It's not just Georgia, but um, one of the big things is is how far they plan those out and those how far they plan out those cross divisional opponents. I mean, Arkansas hasn't won an SEC game in what two seasons, and yeah. I mean they're putting in. I mean, Sam's a great recruiter, but he's never been a head coach before, so they're gonna be they're basically in a full rebuild. Mike Leach coming in, um, taking over for what I can't remember who it was, Jer- whoever Jer Morhead, Jer Morhead, w- Jer Morhead, Jer- Jer- yeah, taking over for Morhead. So, um. They're in a they're in a rebuild too now. Granted, Mike Leach, you know he's a hell of a coach. So I mean, I I expect them to be more competitive. KJ Costello coming with you? Yeah, I mean they're going to be competitive. That's going to be a good. That's going to be a tougher game, you know, than than Arkansas is. But at the end of the day, you know, these two opponents, I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Missouri. You know, I'm not. I'm not mad like Missouri fans are right now.
0: So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so this is kind of like I said. We talked about this off air, but opponent-wise, um, look, who cares, right? They're gonna walk the dog in Mississippi State. They're gonna walk the dog in Arkansas. Like, I don't really care about that. For me, <laughs> I mean, this has been my whole thing with the whole conference-only thing. And look, man, I-, I know everybody's trying to figure it out. And I've, look, I wouldn't be a hundred percent clear on this. I am all for taking whatever mechanism gets us the most football possible. So if the conferences believe that going conference only is the path there, hey, man, I'm here for it. I'm all for it. I'll be right behind you, supporting you all the way. However, and look, man, I'm just a a dumb dude from small town America, right? But tell me how it makes sense. That Georgia can go 700 miles to Fayetteville, Arkansas, but they can't ride 70 miles to go play Georgia Tech. I just, explain the logic in that to me. I,
1: there isn't I, any. Th- there, there there's isn't none.
0: Any. And, and to get around it, all you're doing is gymnastics. Like, you are just doing cognitive gymnastics to get around that. I mean, it, there, there is no actual justification for it, except this is what we decided to do, and y'all can kick rocks. I don't know, man, like that part of it just seems silly to me. And again, I think some of it is hand wringing because fans want as much normalcy as possible. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I do look, man. it's been the most abnormal six months in you and I's lifetimes, right? Maybe outside of the months following September 11th. I mean, it's just been a crazy six months. Um, And I think we're all yearning, not just football fans, but the American populace in general for some normalcy and, in a regular year, sports sports provides that for us. Right. It's, it's our outlet. It's what gives us some joy and an escape from the normal day to day grind of stuff. And so we all want this. Right. And we all love college football. I mean, hey, man, you and I are looking forward to this all year long. And tons I mean, and tons just a of other people the same
1: just a little bit i mean it's only been what a week and a half two weeks that you know the the hockey and the nba playoffs and i'm not an nba fan i'm a huge hockey fan but not an nba fan at all i'm not a baseball fan at all but i'm like i'm like i'm watching it cuz it's 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 sports and it's something that i can you know i love sports so i'm getting I, i'm i'm watching it again and it's like you said it's normalcy and some of it is rather comical like we talked about this long time ago when we're, about um, not having fans in the stands and how we'd rather not have like Mm -hmm. watching sports without fans in the stands. It hasn't been as bad as I expected it to be. And the the cardboard cutouts though, in baseball though, I will say, (laughs) I love that the groundskeepers, I don't know if you saw this or not. um, They're having fun with it. Yeah, There was one, it was a Dodgers game uh, yesterday or the day before where one of the guys behind home plate was um, Bernie from weekend. Oh, that's a plus. I like that. Yeah. So I mean they're having fun with it at least. If you can put cardboard cutouts on there, you're at least going to have fun with it. So I mean many of our listeners may not know who that is. Uh go check it out. It's an old late 80s early 90s movie. They actually had a sequel. So uh but you know it's rather comical. I mean it's but it's you know it looks kind of weird. It kind of looks like you're watching a video game almost a little bit. Like yeah. they look like cardboard cutouts from an e, from a from a like an old video yeah. game. But I mean it's still sports. I, you know, I mean, I, I'll watch it. You know, give me, I mean, if football, you know, if, if, if there's only a quarter of the stadium full, it's going to look really weird, you know, but give it to me. Give, give me, give me football. I don't care in what capacity. No fans, quarter, half full. I, I just give me football. Yeah, I'm. I'm a hundred percent
0: behind that. I'm the same. I just, I, w- I would just want the game, right? I think that's what everybody wants. I think that's what the fans want. I think it's what the coaches want. I think it's what the players want. Um, I am interested because, to your point, like with the NBA being in the bubble and playing in in Disney, you know, it's a small arena, right? So it's those arenas. I I don't think you miss the fans so much because they're pumping in the artificial noise. So it kind of sounds like an NBA game anyways, um, because they're still doing the music and all the cadences and things. So I think it sounds somewhat normal. I mean, it's weird visually because it's not the same arenas and whatnot, but to your point, I think the product is pretty similar. And, I thought baseball was going to be super weird, um, and it kind of has been, but I think it still plays. I mean, I think you do miss the fans, but I, I think they've done an all right job like pumping in the noise and stuff. I am very curious to see how it'll feel first college football weekend if there's no fans in the stands, right? And some some places have already announced there will be no fans. I know we've talked Georgia has got plans out there, and the rumors are maybe there's going to be – 18 to 20,000 folks in the stands. You know, the one big one for me, different, I guess, plans of attack for what they're going to do. Like, you know, they're, they're going to try and have students in the stands, which I think they should. I love that. If you're going to have a season and the students can be in there, get them in there. I mean, I'm not saying all 20,000 should be students, but get some students in there. Um, they're already on the campus anyways, you know, kind of Limits the travel piece of it, at least. So, yeah, good for that. And, you know, I've heard that they want to get the families and, and all that stuff in, which, again, that's awesome. My big question is, because they haven't made an announcement on this, is, or I don't think they've made an announcement as of tonight. At least I haven't seen anything on the Redcoat website or anything. What are they going to do with the bands? Are the bands going to be allowed in? Because, dude, for for college football, the band huge. is it's part of it, man. Like I did, I do think they made an announcement about they won't have on-field performances. I thought I saw that on Twitter. I could be wrong about that, but I thought I saw that on Twitter. But I'm just talking about like, are they going to be in the stadium playing throughout the game? Like big, big third down. You know what I'm saying? Like those cadences are kind of part of what you're used to. And I think, I think it if the bands were there, it would sort of alleviate some of the weirdness that would come with there being no fans. Right. So obviously you're not going to replicate 93,000 people, but at least the band being there, it would kind of feel somewhat right. Um, So I'm interested to see that just from an atmosphere perspective. I think that'll be interesting. But again, to your point, as long as there's 11 on 11 and they're playing and the clock's ticking, I'm going to be jacked up about it just because it will be great.
1: I feel like the atmosphere is going to look a lot – like, on TV-wise, is going to feel a lot like – like, the action is not going to look like it. But the feel, the atmosphere – like, when you're watching a game, like – you can feel the crowd like you can get, feel the crowd on TV, especially like I know you were at the Notre, Notre Dame game this past, past season. But I mean, you've seen games like that where there's, there's extreme passion coming from the fans. Like I, I remember watching that game and I could feel it. Like you could just feel the energy coming from the stands. Like every time Notre Dame jumped off sides, like you could just feel it coming from coming from through the TV. I think th- watching it, consuming it this year is going to look a lot like watching G day. Um, mm-hmm. because there's not going to be as many fans in yep. the stands and just cause it's going to be quieter. It's just, there's just not going to be that loud eruption from the stands for touchdowns for big plays for big hits. And there's not going to be that. The one thing that I've noticed being a hockey fan is that there's not the one thing that as I'm watching the games, there's always that. And this is another thing because it's a reactionary sport it's football it, football is the same way. It's there's not that anticipation from the crowd. There's not that, you yeah. know, like the, a big sacks coming or a big hits coming or something like that. There's not that's missed. That's the only thing I've noticed when watching it. And I think that you're going we're going to miss that from football, too. Um, That's a good point. It's not it's not a huge thing, but it's like it took some getting used to. But it, it didn't the first game because, I mean, it was I was just so excited it was back. But when I was watching the game yesterday, it was the second game of the playoffs for my for my team. And I was watching the game and I after like the first period, I noticed it and I was like, I was like, there's just something missing. I couldn't put my finger on it. And then there was a, a big play. And then the anticipation guy was wide open, getting ready to score a goal. And there was no none of that crowd. Like you could like the crowd would start to cheer before the play happened because like, you know, someone running down the sideline wide open, butt naked, you know, and then there would be no anticipation or there would be just a little bit of anticipation. But in, with a small crowd, there's not gonna be it's not gonna be there. Well, so tell me what you think about this too, because I've thought
0: about this. I feel like more than any of the other sports, and maybe hockey's a good good comparison, right? And I don't know because I don't consume hockey the way you do, so I can't speak on it that way. But I do feel like from a you know, adrenaline perspective, from a we feed off this energy perspective, football and crowds are I think there's an interplay between the flow of the game and the crowd interaction. And it's why home field in college football and notably in the SEC is so powerful because you have that 12th man. I mean, every stadium kind of has that to it. So I'm real curious to see how that works out. Right. So like essentially if there were no fans it's just going to be like kind of neutral site games but not even like neutral site games like i've heard that bandies run oh it'll be like a neutral site game well yeah but there's not gonna be any fans so like yeah there's gonna be no juice you know what i mean i just feel like football is a game where there's a ton of fan juice as it pertains to the energy guys have and like how momentum swings throughout the game like what do you how do you you think that's real or do you think i'm being crazy about that
1: no you're 100 percent right and My wife is not a big sports fan, and I have had this conversation with her several times. Anytime my team is fighting for home field, home ice advantage, like in the playoffs, in the NFL, hockey, or when it was a a home game or away game in college football, whatever it was, and I would – like. I would bring out like statistics, like, like use another game game, for example, about all the offsides that Notre Dame had in that game. And like, sure. would be like, look, this stuff happened in this game that wouldn't have happened if this game was, you know, at Notre Dame and stuff like that. And it just doesn't register. Cause she's not a sports fan. She really, cause she doesn't care is really what it boils down to. <laughs> you know, I get really excited about that stuff. So I talk to her about it anyway, but I mean, you're exactly right. Like, um, to your point, you know, you brought up the hockey thing, you know, same thing. It's not necessarily a goal being scored, but like a big hit can change the, change the, the energy of a building just like that one way or another, like it can suck the life and suck the energy out of a building um, just as quickly as it can add energy. And that's why uh, one thing that, you know, completely off topic, but you don't see fighting as much in hockey anymore because, Home teams doing really well, you know the they got all the momentum. It's zero zero, but the away team's trying to get life, so they're trying to pick a fight. But the whole and all they need to do is if that the away team wins the fight, all the energy sucked out of the life of the building. So the home team's not going to oblige them and go ahead and fight. That's why you don't see fighting that much in hockey anymore. And but it's the same thing, in college football. You're not gonna, you know, it's this, you're not gonna have the feed from the fans like you know just that extra little juice that you would normally get now i mean these guys have been playing football for a long time they're playing on the biggest stage they don't need that extra motivation or at least they shouldn't but everyone gets it from a big boost from the crowd in a big play it's just natural it's natural human emotion now pros may not get that as much anymore but i mean you still see emotion from pros you still you still see it from them. It doesn't take much from when you when the crowd goes nuts to just get those competitive juices flowing. So and I think that that's something that's going to be really lacking this year.
0: The other thing I've thought about, and you can speak to this, too, because I mean, we both played and. I wonder from a competitive balance perspective, if it's actually going to help some guys like, look, man, it's a real thing. Certain guys play great when the lights are bright and the crowd is big. And some guys don't, right? Like some guys are incredible Monday through Friday at practice. And then you put them under the lights and you're like, dude, like, where'd you go? Like, I, I, you're not the same guy that we had on the field this past week in practice. And I think some guys just tighten up, right? And so I'm interested to see kind of what that dynamics like. Right. And I think maybe conversely, there's some guys who aren't practice guys. They just, it's like, man, this is, God, I just can't get my energy up for this. Just trying to grind through it. I got to get to the game. You know, I got to get to the game. Like I'm going to have so much juice and so much flow. So it'll be interesting to see. And like, I'm sh- you, you can't quantify that. Right. Like we won't know, but there's just, you know, certain guys you think about and go, I wonder if they'll play a little looser. Right. Like I wonder if they'll, be less tight because there's not that big crowd there I mean look they're going to be cognizant they're on tv and stuff so maybe it maybe it doesn't change but I just feel like there's a big difference from playing in front of 93,000 sets of eyeballs to playing in front of at most 20,000 and I I think we're all being cautiously optimistic that that's even real you know I think we'll learn a lot more in the next month as students get back on campus and you know, what the metrics look like and then what the college presidents feel comfortable with. So tangential question, because I'm interested to talk to you about this. This does not have to do with the on-field product, but we're college football fans. We're a college football podcast. So I think this is extremely relevant to the conversation. So let's talk tailgating, right? All right. So every town on a college football weekend swells and grows to one of the biggest – Town, cities in the state for that day right so many yeah. people come into town well so Athens you know Sanford seats 93,000 almost right and but how many people are in Athens throughout the course of that weekend you could probably say it's three times that do you think I'm being overly that's a that's too big of an estimation or do you think that's fair like how many people are just there to, to hang out I'm... and tailgate right that don't go to the ball game
1: that's a pretty fair estimation. Two and a half, three times is probably accurate, you know, because people come to hang out with friends and then if they can get to go to the game. Great. If not, they're hanging out with, you know, especially college age kids. You know, they're just coming to hang out with friends and hang out. Yeah. You know, if they get to go to the game. Great. If not, they're there for the, the scene after the game, just as much as they are there for the game. If you know so. Yeah. So here's my functional question
0: about it. Right. I and I've heard, I believe I heard um some folks from UGA say that there was there was no tailgating. They're they're gonna have no tailgating. Okay, that's that policy is fine. That's a university decision, a city of Athens decision, I'm sure. How are they gonna enforce that? So like this is my functional question, okay? If I'm if I'm, you know, George, the Georgia fan from small town Georgia. And I'm like, Hey, load up, load up the car. We gonna we gonna go to Athens. We're going to park at the Baptist church and we're going to have a cookout and we're going to hang out. We're going to put the tent up the whole deal. Like ha, let's say a hundred thousand other people do the same thing, right? Yeah. How are they going to stop that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I know what they're saying, but like functionally, if people just organically go, we're going to go to Athens today. Like the dogs are playing, we're going to go to Athens, we're going to park and we're going, we're going to grill some hot dogs. Like I just, <laughs> it's just going to be super interesting, right? Like I'm just so interested to see like that first weekend, what happens? Because I've seen pictures on Twitter, like at the baseball stadiums. Yeah, absolutely. Like, dude, have you seen the pictures at the baseball stadiums? Like people that they're like at the stadium, but they're outside. So I don't know, man. I just, it's going to be interesting to see like how it functionally plays out. I just think that is, that is a marriage that hasn't been talked about, right? Like you can't talk about college football and not talk about the tailgating piece of it. So to say that there's going to be a game in Columbus or a game in Ann Arbor or a game in Madison or a game in Athens or a game in Tuscaloosa and the people ain't going to come park like I don't know man I just (laughs) I'm so I don't think you can see
1: what's gonna happen with that you can't police it you can try but I mean you're gonna you're gonna fail I mean there's no way around it you're just there's no way to stop it 100 and if you do try to police it around the stadium then you're just forcing people to go to like apartment complexes and you know, like student housing and other stuff like that. That's that's what you're forcing people to do in situations like that. So it's just there's no way to stop it. It's it's not physically possible to stop tailgating in with college football. It's just not possible.
0: Yeah, I, dude. I'm I'm su- I'm just I'm super interested. Like again, I, I'm neither here nor there about it. Like, look. I've told you this, whatever gets us college football, I'll do it. Okay. Like if y'all need me to wear a mask to go to the stadium for me to watch the dogs at Sanford. Hey man, I'll wear a mask. I mean, you, you put me in like a, a Spider-Man costume. I'll go, I'll go full <laughs> out. Right. Like I'll wrap it all up. I mean, I, whatever, I whatever I got to do, I'll do it. But I'm just saying the general populace, if somebody wants to go tailgate, They're going to drive their happy ass to Athens and set up the
1: tent and tailgate. You know what I'm saying? The the difference, the the biggest difference is, and people are going to, people are going to compare. Let's just talk about the baseball. Let's not even bring the NFL into this. Let's talk about baseball. For example, most of the tailgates around a baseball game, it's on in the parking lot of the baseball stadium, which is one ginormous parking lot. Okay. Which is private property owned by the stadium. The team, I mean, the team in the stadium. It's all one one conglomerate. So they can police that. College football is not like that. College football, you go park, like you said, in the Baptist Church parking lot, in the alley behind, you know, the local pizza joint. I, I mean, how? that's what I mean by policing it. You can't police it. I don't mean like police officers literally going around and arresting people. I mean, you can't. The, the university cannot police it. That
0: way. So here's my here's my thing. I I haven't even gotten to the police part of it, right? Like I'm not even saying how they would control it functionally. What I'm saying is is if organically, because it's September 26th and the dogs are playing between the hedges, and the state of Georgia and Dog Nation is starved for some football, and to feel like it's normal, right? Like we just we just want to feel normal. I mean. You telling me if you didn't live like an hour from Athens, you might just hop in the car and ride down there just to just to be in it. Right. Just to be be on campus for for starting. And so what I'm saying is organically say a ton of people do that. Right. I mean, what are they going to block the roads off? Like, that's what I mean is what are they going to do when everybody just shows up like it's field of dreams, brother? (laughs) Like, I I just I don't know what they're going to do. Like they say, we're gonna have no tailgating, and again, that's fine. I'm just saying, how the hell are they gonna enforce it? I don't know, man. It's just gonna be real interesting. Like that's what I that's what I envision. I just envision it being like, you know, Ray Kinsella's cornfield, and everybody's driving to Athens with with the cars on, right? Like all the dogs play. Everybody just sitting in line waiting to get an <laughs> Athens. I don't know, it's gonna be something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just I've been thinking about like all the little tangential things that come with the football season. That are obviously not going to be as normal as they would be, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be wild. I'll, I do want to talk to you about this because we texted about it. What? So let's talk about the Penn State donor letter that they sent oh, out. God, crazy, right? <sighs> so they got a, they our got our some balls.
1: I'll give it that they got, yeah. they got some balls.
0: So for our listeners who who haven't read it, there was a there was a letter circulating on Twitter and, and social media yesterday that I guess Penn State's you know, whatever it is, Nittany Lion Club sent out to their donors saying that, hey, look, there's going to be no fans in the stands in Happy Valley this year. Uh, we just want to let you all know that if you decide to, what do they say? To to take back your donation? Is that what they said? Something well, no, like
1: they said you could do the, um, you could choose to use your money as a Tax donation to get it get it as a considered a tax donation so you can basically do it as a tax write off. That was one option. I can't remember the second option. The second option was equally you know about the same, but basically you're not getting your money back. Or you could request a full refund with with some stipulations, right? (laughs) Which the stipulations were what did they say?
0: But if you request your money back you're not gonna get priority placement for seating or parking next year. And it I'll told I told boss I was like, man, that's that's cold, 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 cold. <laughs> like I don't know. That was yeah. So and, and and look, I think it's I think most people are probably similar to them, right? Like, look, they're just panicked because it's just this gigantic cash cow where I'm sure the money is just dry. And they're going, what in the hell are we gonna do? Like we're going to go broke because if they, if they don't fill in those stadiums, cause I mean, dude, what Beaver stadiums, hundred hundred and three thousand? hundred, I mean, how many people, was, I mean, dude, that's a, that's point, a lot. It's of over a hundred.
1: I know that. Yeah, that is
0: like, a lot of revenue.
1: And it's not just, it's just not the stand. It's, it's another thing people don't think about too. It's not just the ticket sales. It's the ticket sales. It's the concessions. It's the merchandise. Yep. It's parking. programs, parking. It's all of that. It's yep. a ton of money that these these schools are going to lose. And if you break it down, like I, this is an NFL figure. I don't know the college figure because the NCA doesn't release this information because they're public institutions per state, and it's different per state in taxes. The NFL released um, released a figure that an estimation that if there were no fans in the stands this year, they would lose $300 billion. You can average Ooh. that out to how much each team would lose because it's the, the league and how much each team would lose. Now, that's not perfectly even per team, but you can figure it out. Now, figure that out, average that out about if it's a, it's a co- big college football program like Penn State Ta- and take that for what it's worth.
0: So so let me ask, let me ask you this. You, you're, a, you're a Bulldog Club donor. Bulldog Club sends you that letter. Scale of 1 to 10, how pissed off
1: are you? 17, 18. how <laughs> far fire you up. And I will tell you, I will tell you why I'm so pissed off. I'm not pissed off because first of all, if I'm a donor and I've invested as much money as probably a lot of these people have over the course of the years to get those priority seats. It's probably a drop in the bucket and it's probably not that big a deal to these people who have invested it. Now, if it's me That's or you, if it's, me or you and we're in like the 600 level and stuff like that and that like we're the average person that's why i'm pissed off on those people are the people that should be pissed off because it's you know we're the middle class who are busting our ass to get our tickets and you know they're asking us for a tax donation when you know we are the the average class and we just had to you know We've just lost our, had to ask this stu- for the same thing for all of our kids' sports who have been canceled in the spring. We've just been mm-hmm. put in the same situation where we didn't get full refunds for that, or refunds at all, where we had to, mm-hmm. you know, do tax donations for that. Where our companies are laying off people, um, mm-hmm. you know, where we're not sure whether we're going to have a job in the fall, and you know that's not really high on our priority list. And then just to get the letter itself is just a slap in the face. That's why it pisses me off.
0: Yeah, some somebody in the Nittany Lion Club that that didn't get vetted all the way because they they couldn't have sat in a room and went, "This is gonna go over just fine. Nobody nobody gonna be mad about this. Like everybody be all right. <laughs> like that just yeah. that couldn't have happened, right?" So I don't know. And so then obviously it hits it hits like social media, so it, it's all over. And so now I think what's going to happen is the different alumni groups across the country are going to go, or the donor groups are going to go, Oh boy, maybe we got to rethink what we were going to do. And look, I get it, man. Like they're in alerts like everybody else is, because it's a business. So two businesses are fighting, but I think there has to be some self-awareness, right? Like, Hey guys, maybe, maybe let's pump the brakes on that and like give some grace to people just because to your point, I think what they probably thought of was the perspective you were thinking of, right? Like they're thinking of big time donors who look your donation, you'll be fine. Right. But for the guy who's busting his rear end to make that seat donation so he can take his two kids and his wife to the ball game every Saturday, and maybe that money isn't actually in the budget. And this is the year where, you know, didn't get as much work as normal because, of what's going on.
1: Or you got furloughed I just, I,
0: or whatever. Or I got furloughed. Yeah. I just think it comes off pretty toned. It, it comes, it
1: comes off callous for what every, yeah. what the world is, what the country is going through right now, what the world is going through right now. It's just, yeah. it, you're right. It's very tone deaf. It is very tone that,
0: deaf. That, that's what struck me about it. That was just kind of like, man, I don't, I don't know about all that. That it just, it, it just kind of struck me. as kind of funky, but um, I was going to ask you something else too. Uh, well, I was thinking about this too. This is not like a college football topic, but we can't not talk about it. So news comes out this week that Dwayne Johnson, the rock and his, (laughs) and his, and his ownership group bought the XFL. So first off, let me just say this. And I tweeted this when I saw the article, it will be the biggest ball drop of all time. If his first move as owner of the league is not to rename it the PFL. If if we are not calling it the People's Football League, we have we have severely screwed this up. I will I will pay $100 the day the People's Football League t-shirt is dropped. Like I th- there are so many awesome things that they can do with this and places they can go with this and if they don't do it, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> I I can't support it. But like The people's champ owning a professional football league is so good on so many levels. And, like, I need him out there once a week cutting promos. Like, I I need the champ back dropping rock bottoms at midfield. Like, I need the whole thing. (laughs) Just running out if someone's getting ready to score a touchdown,
1: just dropping them.
0: I need it. I need it bad. I want Samoan drops in the end zone. Like, I need the whole deal.
1: Well, let's take a step back here. You do know who runs his ownership group, right? Yeah, Danny does. His, his ex-wife. ex-wife. Let's yes. just let's just give the Rock. I mean, the Rock is amazing on a number of levels, but the fact that she is his manager and runs his management group, and that is just every time I I, I think about that, just blows my mind. The fact of how he can do that, do how close he is with his ex-wife. Basically, he he he's like. He he has a he has an idea. He runs it by her. Like, how he, did that dynamic work? Well,
0: so I do love it because I I think it speaks to like, I mean, look, man, he's got he's got his Polynesian roots, and so like you know, family is so foundational and important to him. And I think with that is like loyalty. And dude, I mean, dude, Danny was there for all of it, like. When the NFL dreams didn't happen and the CFL putters out and he's grinding, trying to make it in wrestling and wrestling in all these small towns and all the different circuits trying to work his way up to the WWF. So like, and I I said WWF on purpose, I, I cannot call it the WWE. It irritates me. Like, I will never like the World Wildlife Foundation because they screwed the pooch on that whole thing. Like, come on now. Didn't nobody think about the World Wildlife Foundation when they heard WWF? All we're thinking about is Hulk Hogan dropping that big super leg, and Andre the Giant, and Macho Man, and Ultimate Warrior. And so I'm gonna didn't call it
1: WWF. A damn until they became a billion dollar company.
0: Yeah, I, it just bothers me, man. I it irritates me. I, I would never give a dime to the World Wildlife Foundation just for that. Uh, maybe people gonna get upset about that, but I don't care. That's real. I'm just being real with y'all. WWF. That's what it is. Bothers me when you get the old DVDs of the old matches and they blank out the WWF on the turnbuckle it fires me up, man. That Y'all don't need to know all that, but that <laughs> that's just, that's just a little trip into my brain. But, uh, so yeah. So I think he's just loyal to her. Cause she was with him, right? Like she was with him for the climb and like, I'm, I respect that. I mean, I, I love that. And obviously Danny too. She's gotta be sharp. I mean, she's been so, I think influential in what they built with seven bucks productions and she's involved with the TV show ballers or was involved that just ended. But um, yeah, I love it. I, I love his whole dynamic and you know, he's my guy. He's been my guy a long time. So yeah. I always root for that dude, but I'm serious PFL. I need it to be the PFL, the people's football league. I buy stock in that. Like they should public offering that. And I will, I will buy stock. And they, and they should put people's eyebrows on the stock certificate.
1: That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he touches turns to gold, man. He's like Midas. I really, really hope it succeeds because that thing has been a nothing but a money pit no matter who touches it. So I really, really hope that it succeeds.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I wonder, and who knows? I mean, who knows what it would have been, but it, I felt like the ratings, and the numbers were pretty good with this iteration, and they had a a decent shot. You just talk about horrible timing. I mean,
1: yeah, well,
0: I feel like with the the COVID stuff hitting right at the peak of all that, just I don't know. That was kind of a bummer. Um, well, what else you want to talk about? You got any more dog stuff you want to talk about, or the schedule stuff? I mean, I guess now we're now we're waiting for what are they saying? I thought I saw uh, Seth Seth Emerson tweeted out that they're. The, the expectation is they're going to release the actual new dates for next week. Oh, so that's that's a good one. I, w- I do want to ask you about that. I mean, you think there's any way that they're open the 26th in Tuscaloosa? I just I no. can't see that happening. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I think, well, because the Big Ten's released their schedule. The ACC's released their schedule, right? Didn't I mm-hmm. see that already? Okay, so yep, they're going to maneuver their big games around – those two big games. And I think I saw Michigan-Ohio State's October 14th or something like that. It's in it's the middle. Out- it's in October. October,
0: yeah. It's yeah, in the middle of October.
1: So they're going to yeah. maneuver that. The only game that I think they'll leave the same just for tradition's sake is it's Florida. Is Florida.
0: Yeah, Everything else moving.
1: is fluid. The only thing where I think the SEC – the only thing I like that the Big Ten and the ACC have done that the SEC is not doing is – the SEC moving their start date back to September 26th, and I'm not saying that the ACC and Big Ten did this on purpose, but them moving leaving their start date September 3rd gives them time that if they have to postpone a game because, let's say, half a team comes down with it. Don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen because they've all been working out together and stuff like that, and they haven't had more than a couple players at most that we know of come down with it. I think the most any team's had has been eight that's been announced. Now granted, they're not releasing numbers or players, but you know stuff leaks. Yeah. So the most anything yeah. leaked has been um has been eight that we know of. So I feel like that where the is putting themselves in a the pigeonhole is is they're giving themselves a finite amount of time to fit 10 games in to reach the SEC championship by what is it December 19th as the SEC championship Something like December
0: that. 19th. And I saw today that that December 12th is a buy for everyone in the SEC. So there will be no games December 12th, and that'll be used as a makeup week. So you can either make up games that week or whatever it may be. But I think you bring up a great point. Well, I mean, right? It's is like that-
1: they had a chance to give themselves an extra. Th- they, they So if December 12th is a makeup game and then if they started September 3rd, that would give them four weeks. Four makeup weeks, essentially, plus whatever mm-hmm. buys they build in the schedule, which will probably be two. So that gives mm-hmm. them that gives them six. Would it give them sixteen weeks to play ten games? Right yep. now, they're only th- doing it this way. They're only giving themselves twelve, maybe thirteen, depending. I mean, it's just it's it's pigeonholing themselves. I think it's giving themselves not a lot of time in case crab hits the fan we don't know if it's going to I don't think it's going to but with the way everything's going this year who knows
0: yeah so that's the other piece of this that I am from a functional perspective kind of got a keen eye on is and I found this interesting because almost as as soon as all this started to happen Bruce Arians came out and said in like March or April or I don't know if he said it. Maybe I saw that he had said it to one of their beat reporters in Tampa. But he was like, we're going to have a quarterback quarantined at all times. So, like, let's say they got four quarterbacks on the roster, right? They're going to have one that's never has contact with the others so that they stay separate, right? Because if one quarterback gets it, and they've been in the quarterback room together all week. Well, then, inherently by the rules,
1: all of them is, have to, quarantine. the other
0: quarterback has to quarantine, right? Because they've been exposed to someone with COVID 19. Well, so then what do you do? I got to have a quarterback. So you're picking somebody off the street, basically. So, yeah. So I, I, I'm very interested to see how the coaching staffs maneuver those things because they have to be thinking about that, right? Like if you and I are thinking about it, I hope to God they're thinking about it. And maybe that all seems stupid with all this going on, but. I mean, from a functional perspective, that's going to matter because it's look at some point somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to or even if they don't get sick, they'll test positive. So that's the other piece of it, because let's talk about the Matt Stafford thing. Right. So Matt, Matt Stafford tests positive. NFL comes out and says Matt Stafford has been placed on the, the covid list, which I mean, how do they how do they do this? Right. Like. How does HIPAA allow that? How does HIPAA absolutely I haven't understood that from the start? Like, as a fan, I don't care who on the NFL teams has COVID. Just say they just say they have a personal situation. Like, that's it's not the public's business. And I would feel that way if it was whoever, right? Not just because it's Matt Stafford. And I loved, I loved that Kelly Stafford got on Instagram and eviscerated. The NFL and she did. She eviscerated them, and rightfully so, because uh, that was the way they handled that was a travesty. Um, whether or not he had actually been positive, um, uh, it's nobody's business, right? Like just nobody's business. And they have a family, and I don't know. It it pissed me off, yeah. and I'm glad that I'm glad that she did what she did. But so he comes out, and what do they say? He's had seven or eight negative tests since then. So how are the conferences going to handle that? What if a guy goes in on Monday, he's test positive, but he has no symptoms. How many times are they going to test? Would the SEC say they're going to test three times a week?
1: Yeah, I think if if, uh, Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't know what Sunday. What is Sunday? A day after the game? So that's the other piece. How good does that do? The Major, League, the Major League Baseball stuff has had lag on the
0: testing. So, like, well, I'll give one example because I've read about the Juan Soto thing in, in D.C. with the Nationals. He tests positive, but then he's had a bunch of negative tests since then. And, and the suspicion is that he had a false positive, which has been very prevalent in a lot of these testing situations. Because, look, man, like everybody else, they're still figuring it out. The testing people are figuring it out. The labs are figuring it out. And... Number one, what's the turnaround going to be? But number two, once I test positive as a player, do I get to take a test the next day if I'm not symptomatic to see if it was a false positive? Or do I just have to wait for the next test period? And what if that next test period falls after the game and I was a false positive? Like, I think they've got to really flesh all that out and think about that because if we're going to have a testing mechanism and we're going to try to keep competitive balance, I mean, you can't have dudes sitting out just because they had a false positive, right? Like, and yeah. and I'm not saying this as a Georgia fan or as a football fan. I'm saying this from each individual kid's perspective. And look, if it's one game, fine. But say they make them sit out two or three. And this is one thing, and this is a little bit tangential from this point, but it made me think of it. So we're going to talk about it. I think there's been a lot of hand wringing about, oh, well, it, it should be all about the health and and. Football's not that important. Look, that's fine, okay? I get all that, and yes, health is always going to be first and always going to be most important. But let's just talk about this functionally, okay? Let's say that we were experiencing everything that we're experiencing now, but we were experiencing it in 2019, okay? So go with me on this hypothetical. And they decided not to play the 2019 season which is well within their right, given the health concerns, okay? Let's just use Joe Burrow as the test case on this. If the 2019 season doesn't happen, all right, and Joe Burrow doesn't have all the players that were on that 2019 team, okay, so all that in a vacuum goes away. No Heisman Trophy, no national championship, and he was projected to be what before the season? A seventh-round pick? Maybe
1: six to undrafted. Probably. I don't even know. He would have been one of the, he would have been, he wouldn't even have been on like the top quarterback board. He would have been probably like one of the, on the seniors list of quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. All right. So go with this with me now. He goes from a seventh round pick where, what do you You Maybe get $50,000 guaranteed. Maybe If if you, if you, if you make the team. So, He's the first overall pick. So he gets family change and money. And he was the Heisman Trophy winner, which is legacy changing. And he wins a national championship for his school. Okay. So tell me that not playing these games for the kids who are playing doesn't have consequences for these kids. Right. Because that's the part I think we leave out. Right. I'm not even talking about this from the fans perspective. It's neither here nor there just talking about, you got kids that have this limited window to capitalize on their talent. And if there's a way for those kids to play and showcase that and set them up for their future, I think you got to find a way, right? Like how many kids have a story like Joe Burroughs where one season, one season changes the course of their life, changes their legacy. And it, you know, maybe they only have that one year. Maybe that's their window. So, man, I, I just, you know, I, to to go back to kind of our, one of our earlier interviews when we talked to Jim Callis about the Major League Baseball draft and the opportunities that were removed for kids from this year, right? Because they only had the five-round draft. So you've got all these kids who are lose leverage, lose opportunities. And in the grand scheme of things, the general public would probably say, you guys are being idiots and this doesn't matter and whatever, okay? What I'm saying is, if you grow up playing these sports all your life and this is your dream and this is all you've ever wanted and this is your window to capitalize on that and make that happen, man, I just think you have a responsibility as an administrator and somebody with the power to make it happen, to do what you can to make it happen, to give these kids those chances, right? Like, think I'm being callous about that or do you think that's that's in line?
1: I think it's completely in line. I don't think you're being callous at all. It. It it really it, it puts it in really in perspective for me,
0: and I think that's kind of where the NCAA is dropping the ball on this. I think that's the rub with the whole conversation, right? Is that the NCAA and the conferences are fighting this? If we play, are we admitting openly that this is a business? Which makes me laugh out loud because, like, duh, of course it's a business. We all know it's a business. You are the only ones acting like this is. I don't know,
1: scholastic scholastic athletics. That it was a business when they canceled D2, D3, and FCS sports. Yeah, Right there, they admitted it was a business. Well, look,
0: the the NCAA is, and this is where I think, I I just don't understand this. It was like somebody kept tweeting out, well, the NCAA is going to have this massive decision with the Board of Governors about they're going to cancel fall championships and it could lead to the end of college football. And it's like, well, look. If I'm the power five, who the hell cares what the NCAA says? I'm not, I'm not beholden to them. They don't run our championship. So why do I care what the NCAA does not? Well, if the, if the power five teams play after the NCAA cancels fall championships, it makes them look callous. And I'm like, who, I mean, no, it doesn't like they're making a choice. The NCAA can do what the NCAA wants to do. The Power Five is going to do what the Power Five thinks is best for the Power Five conferences. Now, does the NCAA look like idiots because they're canceling fall championships and then still griping about this whole letter of intent deal and not paying athletes or not allowing athletes to operate in the free market? Yes, they look like idiots. But the NCAA always looks like idiots. I mean, I think they are one step away from being non-existent. I don't understand why the basketball piece, why the power five conferences in basketball don't just say we're going to, we're just going to do something on our own. And everybody always says, well, it's because March Madness, or the NCAA owns all the March Madness stuff. Well, So start another tournament and call it something else. I mean, (laughs) they have all the power and they don't exert it. I don't, I don't understand that. I would just follow the football model and go, well, you don't have March Madness without us. Like, so kick rocks. I just think they've, they've ceded too much power to the NCAA for too long. Just, just operate in the free market. Like I think that's all the athletes are asking. And I think we should allow them to do that. Let the athletes operate in the free market. If Todd wants to go somewhere on a Sunday and sign autographs, let him sign autographs. Like why are people upset about that? I just, I've never understood that. And I would feel the same way if it was Tim Tebow, right? Like, So he's a great example of this, right? Tell me there's been a more valuable college athlete from a marketing perspective than the four-year career of Tim Tebow in college football. Like how much could he have benefited monetarily from his image, likeness, and marketability when he was his four years in Gainesville? He could have made a mint, right? But he wasn't allowed to do that. And then it's not like he had a massive NFL career to make a lot of money. So that's what I mean is
1: some of these guys are college stars. Let them capitalize on it. Well, let's bring it back to Georgia. Tell me at any point in his life, was Rodrigo going to be any more marketable than when he was in college?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I mean, Rodrigo could have made more money the last from Notre Dame 2017 to the time he graduated than at any other point in his life. No matter how successful he is as an NFL kicker,
0: yep, yeah, I mean th- that he's a he's a great example, and there are tons like him that are iconic in their college town during their college career that never go on to have a professional career that mirrors that popularity, right? And I just think it's a travesty that we're not allowing these kids to capitalize on that, right? I mean, it's it's their talent. And I think the one, and I know this example is used a lot, but I think it's a great example, is if I go to college on a music scholarship, right? Like if I go to the University of Georgia, because I am one of the best concert violinists on the planet. And during the summers when I'm not at school, I travel the world playing for, you know, the different musical companies around the world, and they pay me handsomely because of my talent. I don't lose my musical scholarship to University of Georgia. <laughs> so why why are athletes treated differently? I, I don't get that. And I know the the the, the justification is always well. The schools that are richer could pay players more and they would get more of the best players. Look, dude, every school in the country got plenty of donors that got plenty of money that could get guys to come, okay? Like T. Boone Pickens at Oklahoma State, you telling me they couldn't pay people to come? I mean, I I think they'll be all right. So I just let these kids operate, man. Like let them make some money. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand what the beef is or what the problem is. And whatever they got to do to get us NCAA football back with EA Sports. (laughs) I'm with you on that. Sign me up tomorrow, brother. Like, I don't know. I just feel like they're making it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Just let them operate within the market, man. End of story. We live in a capitalist country. Free market's beautiful. Let them operate within the free market. Period. I don't get it. Like, I love it. Like, Seth has talked a lot about that on The Athletic in his articles. Like, just let these, let the free market work. Like, I, I don't, we do it in every other segment of society. Why, why can't we do it with college athletics? Because it, it, it goes beyond college football, too. Think about college basketball, even college baseball players, women's basketball players who are yeah. super popular in college and can't monetize that. I don't know, man this is way off topic from like college, <laughs> college scheduling, but Hey, yeah, it's still good to we,
1: we kind of went off on left field today, but that's okay.
0: That's all right. Hey man, look, we haven't, we haven't talked like, yeah,
1: college, we haven't talked, we, 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 we haven't, we haven't had a regular stuff. uh podcast in, in, in a bit. So,
0: well, look to like wrap it up. The good news is we got 10 games now that the dogs are fixing to play and fingers crossed that all happens. Okay. So we're, super jacked up about that well fingers crossed
1: we'll have 13 sec championship two playoff games
0: absolutely absolutely because i would really 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 like to see the dogs playing in pasadena again really 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 like to see them playing in pasadena again although i guess that would mean they would be like a like a two two or like a three seed, i guess right because if they were the one they wouldn't play there they'd play and they play what is Sugar Bowl the semi this year? What's this what's the no, other it's semi? The it's the peach. It's the peach. They, yeah, so if they peach. were the one, if they were the one, they'd play in it, Atlanta it, for sure. Yeah, they play
1: in Atlanta.
0: But man, I just boy, I'd love to see them play in Pasadena again. Although that would also then hinge on there actually being fans in Pasadena. So Yeah. There's that. Which in California, I just I don't see that happening. I don't think they'll have not
1: any time in the near future. No, no, I don't
0: think it's gonna happen. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a weird year, man. But I'm I'm here for all the weird, so long as, long as, as there are, as long as there are football games. Yeah. That's 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 what I'm hopeful for. I think that's what we're all hopeful for. And yeah, I hope they make it happen. So, um, well, yeah, man, that's that's kind of all I got, brother. You got anything else?
1: No, I think I think we're good for
0: today. All right. Well, hey, go dogs, Sikkim. Go dogs. George is
1: better now. Sick of being upsold at gyms?